Podcasting from our secret compound in Silicon Slopes, Utah, overlooking the entire Utah Tech Corridor, this is the Utah CTO Show. Bite-sized interviews with Utah's tech leaders where we dig into the growth of the Utah tech scene, the stories behind some of the greatest local successes, and the secrets to growing tech leadership in Utah. And now, here are your hosts, Chris Jenkins and Brett Flake. All right, welcome to the Utah CTO Show. My name's Chris, and I'm here with Brett Flake, as always. Yeah, hi guys. Welcome to our at home edition. No, we're having fun. (laughs) Yeah, episode three at home. Pretty fun. Brett, we were doing this earlier and for some reason the recording just didn't make it. So here we are again. We'll try to see if we can't hit on some of the same points we wanted to talk about. But that's kind of one of those things where working from home, right? That computers crash and you kind of have to deal with it. Yeah, I've been struggling with some uh, technical difficulties myself. My nick on my my home computer went out, and uh, I've tried to replace it, and it's just not working. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's always fun. I've seen several people in Slack hitting up IT saying I'm having technical issues, and I was on a Zoom call earlier today where the gentleman I was speaking with just kept having issues with bandwidth and and it kept freezing no matter whether we had video on or off or it just was super glitchy for him. And uh, yeah, it just continues to happen. I think it's just part of the the new world we live in. Yeah. (laughs) So much bandwidth being taken up by everybody in the family. (laughs) Just feels like the technical problems are a little bit higher stakes than they used to be. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it feels like. That's for sure. So uh, Brett, wanted to kind of pick your brain on a couple of things as we're talking about engineering management and dealing with product managers or vice versa, right? As a product manager working with engineering, tell us some of the things that have worked for you in working with product management and engineering working together. Yeah, well, I think that it's always kind of a, a game of egos in some ways. If you have the right people, things can go pretty smooth. But if you have really strong personalities, then people have to be a lot more careful, I think. And there tends to be a lot more politics. But politics aside, I think one of the best things you can do is to create an environment where everybody feels like they have a say in things, that there's a certain amount of autonomy across both groups to be able to guide each other collaboratively to solutions that works for everybody instead of just one group telling the other group what to do or how to do it. I think that's the sort of environment that works best. Allow everybody their creativity and give them the kind of leeway to yeah. move things in a direction they want to go. Spoken like a true engineer, right? The product manager <laughs> shouldn't be dictating everything that, that should be done. Um, you know, it's so funny that you, know, you kind of say it that way it's actually fairly true that in a lot of experiences that I've had and folks that I've worked with and in talking with lots of engineers over the years, that's one of their biggest pet peeves is product managers just dictating what has to be done and the solution and the ideal way of doing a project, a process or, or a product itself and not necessarily taking a lot of feedback. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, the productivity for the company, if you can create that environment of creativity is going to be exponential compared to some of these other places that kind of have more of a top-down, more rigid way of of handling things, right? We used to talk a lot about that book, uh, Multipliers by Liz Weissman, when we were at Banyan together. And I think that's really a good way to, you can use that as a guidebook for trying to create that creative environment. Yeah, there's definitely good and bad, right? Certainly a lot of it has to do with culture and how you've set up your teams and your structure and 
One of the things that I think is super critical when uh, we're kind of setting up for a successful team is really setting the right vision and having the right philosophy for making decisions as a company or as a team. If you don't have that vision and clarity of where you want to go, then it's very difficult for the individual teams to make decisions and to move the company in the right direction or move the product in the right direction. And also to get the responsibilities mixed up, right? If there's not clear vision and delineation of how you as, as a team or as a company are going to make decisions. How do you then, knowing that, set a vision and a philosophy that's going to work for you as a company or your team that you're working on? Like you say, there has to be that shared vision. I like to talk about alignment a lot, right? So if everybody has that shared alignment, you can create a space for autonomy. But I think it starts with just getting together and deciding on what everyone's shared principles are. And if everybody's on board with the principles that are going to drive your product process, I think it just comes down to having that being on the same page as to Well, speaking of things like that. product process, because I think you're right, it's, you definitely have to be all aligned. But it's super easy as a team to get caught up in ceremonies and yeah, going through the motions. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like you as a company decide, Oh, we need a project manager and they have to be scrum and agile certified or scrum master. And then they have to have PMP and you get all these acronyms of what sort of certifications that help you develop products the best way. Not that those things are wrong, but I think it's super easy for you as a team or a company to get caught up in a process and in extra meetings and extra artifacts that maybe, especially as a startup, they really can slow you down. How do you manage that as maybe a smaller company or a small team so that you're adequately building with the right motion and process and team, but also not being too encumbered by that process? And, and Yeah. Well, I think that's to, something you should always keep in mind is what limited resources you have, especially as a small team. You know, a lot of the templates out there for, you know, agile development or scrum or whatever, you know, a lot of those templates out there are meant for much larger organizations or, or the people that have kind of sussed them out and made them work over the years are much larger companies now. And so it's easy for them to say, oh yeah, this is what worked for us. But I think the key is to just don't do anything unless you have a reason to. You should be identifying what problem you're trying to solve, whether that's in your process or in the product, and then identifying that the most efficient thing, or at least the most simple thing at hand that can be done to, to solve it. And oftentimes the right answer isn't to, to just jump into somebody else's template. I think a lot of the times the right answer is to let it be homegrown. Go for the more practical, down-to-earth, pragmatic type of solution. I want to use what I'm currently doing as an example, just because we did kind of throw out all of that process stuff because it was just too encumbering. And we've just started to rebuild it from the ground up. And we just make sure that we're only doing things that we absolutely have to do. Yeah, that's actually very smart advice, focusing on the things that you have to do. And I think, you know, not really doing things unless there's a real reason. And as you talk about, when you come into a room together and are trying to, to solve for something, make sure that you really know what it is that you're trying to solve for understanding the problem and being able to clearly articulate the problem and validate that that is the, the actual problem that needs to be solved is like nine tenths of the battle. I don't know if it's that much, but it's, it really is a, a huge part of it. And I was told, well, 
I actually practiced a little bit of this myself, but when I was younger in my career as a product manager, when I started as a manager hiring a team, the thing that became the most critical and the advice that I got from some leaders that I worked with and some mentors was, it's important for you to hire really good interviewers. And what they meant by that was somebody that could uncover the true problem and really get at the core of the issue or the need that somebody had. And I think that's critical in all aspects of life, having just a really good ability to ask the right questions, uncover the truth, find the details, and then get to the core of what's causing the problem or the need or the change that somebody wants to make. Otherwise, you're going to be spinning your wheels on things that uh, potentially don't have the result you're looking for. Because again, you don't know what it is that you're looking for if you don't have the clear problem articulated. I think there is a lot of jumping back and forth on an individual level and on an organization level as well, where you can, if you, if you don't have a focus and you can identify those things that you want, there's too many roads you can go down. There's so many options. That's not just for product, but in your personal life, at some point you have to decide that there's a kind of a narrow scope that you can have for your life and what you want to accomplish and you need to stay focused or you're not going to do a lot of the things that you like to do, but never quite accomplish what you're, you've set out to do. And, yes. and that's the same with organizations, right? They can spread across way too broad of a scope and get a whole lot of nothing done. <laughs> well, there are cultures that make it feel like you have to be busy mm. all the time and always working and always having a project and spinning multiple plates and progressing a lot of things at once. And that can be detrimental to you as an employee. It could cause burnout. It can cause not actually getting anything really done. You have to justify maybe later why you know, none of the 12 things you were doing actually got completed versus maybe having one thing that you did complete that you're able to hang your hat on. I'm curious if you've been in that situation before where you always had to just show that you were busy somehow and, and sort of making things up and how you handle that because... <laughs> I think a lot of us have felt like, hey, we're kind of making it up as we go and not focusing on the, on the few things that we actually can influence and get done. Yeah. Well, I think there definitely are organizations where either through growing pains or potentially um, immature leadership, you do maybe get rewarded for appearing to be productive more than you more than the productivity itself. So I think there's, there's definitely key metrics that people need to get into place and make sure that it's actually measuring what, (laughs) what will ultimately lead to a successful outcome. So I know that we're running close to the end of the the time here. And I really appreciate you talk with us a little bit about how you can manage working with engineering and product together and building successful teams. I do want to hit on a, a couple of topics here at the end around if you are an engineering manager or are aspiring to be one someday, what are some of those things that you need to have experience in and be good at? And I'll give you a few examples. It's important if you are a manager that you understand how to hire the right talent, right? I mean, part of your job is building a team, hiring that team or recruiting that team and making sure that you're building it in a way that is going to be a successful team. And so some of the questions that you need to be able to answer are, what are some of the things that you look for when you're hiring? Or help me understand the importance of diversity and 
How do you like to work with recruiters? What experience do you have working with them? How much do you spend on recruitment? You know, how much time should you spend sourcing candidates? Things like that, right? Like that's a, one of those things that as an engineering manager, you're going to have to figure out. It's not just technology and being on the latest and greatest tech and always assuming it's just about moving the technology forward. It's really about moving people forward. What are some other areas that as a manager, maybe as you've kind of grown up into that type of a role that you've had to learn how to do and, and it's really a different muscle than what engineers normally have built? I think first, I just want to say that it's it's always a moving target. There's always more to learn as a manager's and, and recruiting is no exception. I think that there is a lot to be said about the type of culture that you want to build in your team and at the company. And that really should be what fuels the types of questions or the types of candidates that you're trying to, I want to say acquire, but that's not quite the word, (laughs) the types of candidates that you're seeking. You know, I, I see kind of two really good potential cultures that I would try and pursue if I were 100% in charge of building something from scratch. And I think One would be one where you feel like you know coming in to that company that you're going to be challenged, that it's going to be like the hardest thing you've maybe done. And building a culture around that, knowing that we'll work really hard and embrace failure, but that the expectation is that you will grow and deliver or you'll be on your way out, right? Right. And I think that can be a really positive work environment if it's done right. (laughs) It can also be a really detrimental one if it's done wrong. And then there's kind of more of a laid back version of, hey, we're just like going to have our autonomy to build what we think's best with some amount of structure around it. And it's kind of a little bit more of a chill environment, right? So I don't know. I guess I give those two examples of potential differences in culture. Like you can go one route and you go down the other route and maybe it depends on the industry you're in or the type of people that are already in your organization and where you want your strengths to be. But you can choose what that is and then start asking questions and focusing your interviewing on that particular culture that you want to build. I think there's a lot of areas that as a aspiring manager, you can look to either your boss or another peer or a mentor somewhere to help you with some of the really basic things. I think you don't want to go into the job assuming that you can handle everything or that you know everything because you will definitely be faced with scenarios that you've never experienced before. Some of those would be like leading a performance improvement plan. Somebody's not up to snuff, they're not working out the way that you want, but you also can't just fire them without having gone through the process, right? And working with HR and manning that. So how do you get that experience? It's like, unless you've gone through it, where do you get it? I think Do what you can before you get there to ask those questions, find a mentor and just make a list of maybe some of those dumb sort of easy, simple things that you would think, you know, you should just know how to do, or maybe with some experience, it doesn't take a lot of training, but it really does help to, to ask one-on-ones, right? We all go and do one-on-ones as an employee, but how many of us are doing them as managers and really understanding how to manage that process and what the point is and what are you trying to get out of each one of those? And are you actually growing with each one-on-one that you do? Yeah. Everybody's learning on the job. And if you're not, you know, then that's kind of when you know that you're not progressing, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you got to find so that, 
Yeah, there's like two sides of the street, right? Like you need to realize that you don't know, <laughs> you don't know everything, but also realize that uh, your coworkers also don't and you can help each other by mentoring each other through those one-on-ones and whatnot. Yeah, so don't be afraid to ask. Find a mentor and ask those questions and dive in and really understand some of those things. Because I think, I wish I would have had maybe some more of that as I was going into my first management jobs. And, I, and part of it was because I felt like I just needed to know how to do it in order to get that next position and continue moving up the corporate ladder, as they say. And so I learned through mistakes and errors along the way. And that's okay too, but I think there are definitely a lot of people out there, managers, uh, mentors that are willing to help you out and give you a hand. So anyway, I think this has been really cool, Brett, to kind of talk a little bit about product management and engineering management and how you might be able to kind of all work together towards a team that's cohesive, that has the right vision, that's well aligned and driving towards a particular goal together. That's ultimately what we all want is to have a job where it's very clear what we're working on and the whole team is aligned and we're actually executing our goals. That hardly ever happens, but when it does happen, it's really great. And I think here in Utah, it's very important that we as engineers and as teams and and folks in the technology industry kind of working together that we figure out how to do that well, because I think that's what's going to propel us, part of what's going to help propel us into the future and and really take advantage of the talent that we have here in this, in the state. And as a, as a bunch of startups that are aspiring to become unicorns, certainly we could use more great managers. Yeah. I think especially in these weird times that we live in, that taking this time to improve on problems that you know that you've been struggling with over the last few years or in your life or this is the opportunity to kind of rise above the crazy challenges that we face right now awesome well thanks again brett and we'll hopefully chat next week looking forward to it (laughs) thanks thanks